You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Lee Wong. And hello to everyone watching digitally, joining via podcast as well. My name is Lee. I'm one of your tribe teachers. And today we are in part three of a series we've called Join the Parade. And the phrase, the parade, it has multi layers in terms of its references. One, it references a parade of elephants, which I'll refresh you guys about here in just a moment. And it's also a reference to Jesus's kingdom movement, Jesus's parade. And the basis of this series, it was birthed out of a vision that our lead pastor, Doug Robbins, received when he prayed, asking God how we are to lead our tribe and to serve you in these uncertain times. And so as Pastor Doug listened for our father's voice, what came to his mind was an image of an elephant's eye. And so for the last two weeks, the first two parts of this series, we have explored in the scriptures various interpretations of this elephant's eye vision. Namely, that in the same way that a parade of elephants have a short distance vision, that we as a tribe are to have a short-term vision in navigating these uncertain times. So rather than positioning for the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to primarily focus on serving you and growing Jesus's kingdom movement here in the next one to two years in particular. Now, today I've been assigned to unpack yet another interpretation of Doug's vision for us to respond like a parade of elephants in these times. And we're going to jump into the scriptures in just a few moments. But before I do that, I need to ask you guys a question. All right. So I, you know, want you to play along with me, use your imagination here and suppose that you at the end of this year received an extra $100,000 on top of your current salary. How psychologically, emotionally, even physically, might that affect your overall well-being? And let's say that is too far-fetched for you to even consider. That amount is too much. So let's lower it to just $60,000 a year. Let's imagine at the end of this year, on top of your current earnings, you earned an additional $60,000. How do you imagine you would feel at the end of this year with that additional income? How would that impact your overall well-being? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, I know that I would feel a greater sense of release from a financial burden. I would feel a little bit more free. I would have a greater sense of passion to be able to do certain things and have promise about the outcome of my future. And I imagine, I guess, the same would be true for you, right? You would have a sense of passion, a sense of peace because of that increased income, right? Your well-being and even your sense of wealth will have improved. And I bring this up for this reason. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. What we're going to explore today, both in the scriptures and our next lesson from the parade of elephants, it's not only going to clarify for us what we as a tribe need to focus on here in the short term in these uncertain seasons, but it's going to help us if we do what we're going to explore to increase our sense of wealth, and it's going to ultimately improve our overall well-being. It's going to help us make the most of joining Jesus's parade. And before we jump into the scriptures and explore what all of that is, would you guys just join me in asking God by his spirit to speak to us and to center us? Heavenly Father, would you 
calm our hearts and our minds, whatever racing thoughts we may have come in here with, whatever distractions might be taking our attention away from this moment. And would you just center us? Would you focus us? Lord, help us hear from you or see an image from you. Speak to us. We're listening for you. And Lord, for me personally, I pray that I would just be a vessel that you speak through such that folks are attracted to you and that folks would know more about your goodness and would be transformed and inspired. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what must you and I, in these uncertain times, focus our attention on right now? And what can you do? What can I do in the here and now that will increase our wealth and improve our sense of wealth and improve our wellness while we make the most of joining Jesus's parade. Now, the answer to those questions requires that we first have a clear understanding of what it means to be Jesus's disciple. That can be kind of muddied in our media today. You know what I'm saying here? Uh, there are countless ways that folks have defined what it means to be Jesus's disciple, but here's how we at City Tribe communicate it. To be Jesus' disciple really just means that you imitate how Jesus lived. And so a disciple of Jesus is on a journey to know Jesus just a little more intimately. And the way to do that is to explore the scriptures. And when you explore the scriptures and you see what Jesus taught and you see how Jesus lived, what you'll learn is that Jesus, he left his place of privilege in heaven and he emptied himself of his divine entitlements. He took on the form of man to walk among us, to show us how we might live and to make a way for all of us to experience life in God's presence in paradise for eternity. So a disciple of Jesus will discover also God's purpose and not just for humanity, but God's purpose for you specifically. And then in knowing how Jesus lived and discovering God's purpose, Jesus's disciples, they live like Jesus by the power of his indwelling spirit to cultivate peace in other people's lives and cultivate a sense of promise about their futures. That is, they cultivate freedom. And ultimately, in so doing, Jesus' disciples, they make this world just a little less selfish and a little more selfless. They make a positive contribution. They make a difference. So Jesus' disciples know Jesus. They discover purpose. They cultivate freedom, and they make a difference. Simply put, here at City Tribe, we believe that Jesus' disciples at least attempt to imitate how Jesus used his power and privilege, not in service of himself. He denied that, but he used his power and his privilege in service of others. Here's how Jesus himself described how his disciples deny and die to self-interest. He said, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and crucify whatever self-interest he may have. Take up his cross and follow me. Now, let's be honest. All right, this denying and crucifying self-interest, it doesn't really sound like a fun parade that anybody wants to join, right? It doesn't sound that appealing. It doesn't sound that fulfilling. It really doesn't even sound that wise, right? Because if we're looking out for other people's interests, who's gonna look out for ours? And how would prioritizing other people increase our sense of wealth and our overall well-being? And if you're thinking anything like that, I totally understand. And Jesus totally understands. And you're not alone in thinking that way. In fact, the very people who saw a resurrected Jesus, they too wondered what we are wondering. 
having three days prior, just three days prior, seen and heard all of the suffering that Jesus experienced and was subjected to, they were traumatized, understandably so. And I imagine some of them were like, uh, Jesus, like we saw what this self-denying and this taking up your cross kind of life did for you. And I'm not sure that's the kind of parade that I signed up to join. You know, I wanted more of that prosperity gospel, Jesus, you know? And concerning the folks who had seen a resurrected Jesus, yet were still reluctant and hesitant to continue following him, Matthew wrote this. He said, some were hesitant, some doubted. And so, what is the incentive for you? And what's the incentive for me to, like Jesus modeled, deny and die to our self-interest? Well, what Jesus said to his reluctant disciples, it clarifies what that incentive is. Jesus alluded to a promise with them being Jewish that they would have been extremely familiar with. It's a promise that their Jewish prophet Daniel had recorded 600 years prior and a promise that they had longed to see come to fruition. This promise suggested that Jesus would richly reward his followers' efforts with an exuberant amount of eternal rewards. Daniel recorded it this way. He said, the kingdom, dominion, and the greatness of the kingdoms under all of heaven will be what? Given to the people, the holy ones of the most high. Jesus' self-denying disciples. Jesus will reward you and me when we deny Ourselves. And so Jesus was basically saying to his disciples, and he's basically saying to us today, look, I know that this self-denying and dying to self-interest kind of life, it doesn't sound like a fun parade. It doesn't sound appealing or even wise for that matter. But as evidenced by the fact that I am, yoo I have been resurrected from the dead. I overcame death. I have total dominion. And I swear to you that I will honor you and I will dole out to you your share of my eternal inheritance when you imitate me. Jesus said it to his disciples this way. He said, all authority, all dominion, and the greatness of all kingdoms in heaven and on earth, it's been given to me to give to you if I so choose. And so y'all, when the one with all authority over even death says that a self-denying, others-prioritizing way of life is the way to live, then you should probably trust that that is the best and most fulfilling way of life. And you will be rewarded for living in that manner. And with that incentive established, Jesus then revealed how we might acquire even more eternal rewards and how we might make the most of his kingdom Parade. And then, and I want you all to get this, okay? Because sometimes it might go over our head. We hear it so much in our day and age. But what Jesus said next to his disciples, it was so earth shattering and it was so revolutionary that the racial reckoning going on in our world today and the Me Too and women's empowerment movements and the human rights movement, just to name a few, all of that can be traced back to this next single statement that Jesus made. Here's what I mean. So in a way that, sadly, certain people groups in our world are discriminated against because of their skin color or their geographical 
region. And, and the way that certain systems of oppression can keep races, certain races from better opportunities, it keeps them suppressed. The social structure in Jesus's day was such that folks from a region known as Galilee, well, they were despised and they were seen as despicable and they were oppressed. They were intentionally marginalized and they had limited opportunity to make a significant impact in the world to ever increase their sense of wealth, to ever increase their well-being. And yet, Galileans are the very people that Jesus sought to inaugurate his kingdom movement, to join his parade. And then in that day, the Jewish traditions held that males were not considered wise or credible or reputable until they were at least 30 years old. So have y'all ever wondered why Jesus didn't start his earthly ministry until he was 30? Have you ever wondered why there isn't like a lot of information about his life prior to that? It's because no one would have cared and no one would have taken Jesus seriously when he was any younger than that. And yet, guess what? On top of being despised Galileans, many of Jesus's disciples were not yet at that age of being seen wise or credible. Most of them were in their late teens and their early 20s. They weren't yet 30. And then, on top of all of that, in the first century, men would have been disgusted at the idea that a woman would ever have any kind of influence whatsoever. The Jewish collection of commentaries on their law, the Talmud, it says this. Let the words of God's revealed teaching be burnt rather than handed over to a woman. And yet... Jesus gave women the responsibility of first declaring to the world that his tomb was empty, that he had risen. And so Jesus took the least likely world changers and he said to them, and he says to you, and he says to me, even though you might be considered a despised and despicable and perhaps even unsophisticated race. And even though you're not yet seen as credible or wise or educated, and even though you're treated as a lesser gender and your voice is shut up and you're often shut down, my parade is different. I, the one with all authority in heaven and on earth, I tell you, as you journey through this life in every possible interaction, you are to introduce people to me and my way of life. Use every possible opportunity to invite people into my self-denying, others-prioritizing parade. You have purpose. And this is what Jesus actually said to his marginalized followers that revolutionized the world that we live in. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Revolutionary statement. And this is so significant that I want you guys to internalize this. This is sort of our big idea for today. So make sure you, if you're taking notes, you highlight, you underline, you circle that scripture in your Bible, or you write it down. Maybe you put it on a post-it note and stick it on your computer monitor, or maybe you write it on your bathroom mirror or something to that effect. And this is so critical that we internalize to go and make disciples that I want you guys with me on the count of three, to read this together. And if you're listening to the podcast, just listen intently on the count of three. We're going to read, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. Those of you joining us digitally, you participate too. One, two, 
three. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's our big idea for today. If you take away anything from this talk, be sure you remember that. Now, most of you, I'm sure, are way better humans than I am. But if like me, you're a sinner, and if like I do, you struggle with denying and dying to self-interest, you might think, make disciples? Dude, I don't even know that I can call myself a disciple. I'm selfish, and I have a shameful past, and if I tried to tell people about Jesus, they would call me a hypocrite. So how can I ever possibly think I am anyone to go and make disciples? And if you're asking that question, I want you to listen to just how gracious and how loving and how amazing of a God Jesus is. What Jesus next said, it takes the pressure off of every single one of us to ever be perfect or pretend to be perfect as we go and make disciples. And to understand what Jesus said, I want you to think back a few months to a series we did called The Gift and the Giver. In part one, the teaching, we learned how Jesus's first century followers would have understood the term baptize. When they heard baptize, they wouldn't think what you think and what I think in terms of like a religious ritual. But when they heard baptized, they would have thought of like how a cucumber is immersed in a solution like brine or vinegar and it's thus changed, its nature is changed into a pickle. And so baptized in the first century to Jesus' disciples, it meant that a certain object was immersed in a change agent and its nature was forever transformed. And what Jesus next said, it tells you and it tells me that we are not that change agent. Our job is to reveal to people who Jesus is and to demonstrate how he lived. But only Jesus changes people's hearts and only Jesus changes people's minds. Only Jesus' spirit is that change agent that baptizes them in the manner he's talking about. Jesus took the pressure off of us to be perfect this way. He said, go make disciples, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's my job through my spirit to change people's minds, minds and hearts. And here's your job. you teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And then to further release all of us of the burden to ever be perfect or pretend to be perfect in denying ourselves as we go make disciples. Jesus, he repeated himself. And y'all know that when Jesus repeats himself, he's trying to get a point across that we better pay attention to. He reminded us that we are not alone in this disciple-making process and that he is forever in our midst aiding us. He reminded us that it's his spirit that will make up for whatever shortcomings that we have, whatever inadequacies we feel we have. And all we have to do is just show up and participate in his parade. He'll do the rest, Jesus said. And remember... I am with you always to the end of age. That can be translated forever and ever. So listen, no matter your ethnicity, your gender, or your age, no matter your education level or your socioeconomic status, no matter what you have done in your past, you are already qualified to make self-denying disciples that join Jesus' parade. Don't wait on completing a curriculum or be conferred by somebody with a title. Don't wait on progressing through a program or some sort of 
process and don't let anyone, not even a preacher like me, tell you that you're not ready and that you're not qualified because the one with all authority in heaven and on earth has already said, go and make disciples. Now, what else might come to mind for you is, but yeah, you know, I just don't even really know the stories in the scriptures that well. And I've never done a study on the historical context of things. And I've never written a sermon. I wouldn't know how to structure it. And I'm not that inspirational or articulate. And oh yeah, when would I even have time? I work full time. I'm raising a family. How am I ever supposed to make self-denying disciples? And if you feel overwhelmed as to how you might respond to Jesus's command as to how you might make disciples. I'm going to help you with that right now. So right now we're going to do an exercise together and you guys joining us digitally. I want you to play along as well. I'm going to read to you a scripture. And as I read to you this scripture, I want you to visualize in your minds what you think Jesus was doing in performing what we're going to read. Okay. I'm going to read to you a certain scripture that Matthew recorded And as I do, visualize in your minds what you believe Jesus was doing to perform what he was performing, to make disciples. Are y'all ready? So here's that scripture about how Jesus made disciples. Matthew wrote, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, what do you visualize there? And preaching the good news of the kingdom. What do you visualize there? teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom. And so how do you visualize Jesus teaching and preaching in the synagogues? If what comes to mind is something similar to what you are right now experiencing, that Jesus was on a stage giving a lengthy lecture that was polished and had all these ideas and hopefully was inspirational to a large audience, well, I want you to hold that thought Because that's not entirely the case. We're going to expand that idea. And what I'm about to tell you right now isn't something that Lee just made up to sound interesting or anything like that. All right. It's historical fact. And it actually comes from a respected researcher that you have heard Pastor Doug quote before. You've probably heard me quote before. His name is George Barna from Barna Research Group. What Barna's research revealed was that the modern sermon, the lengthy lecture that we are all accustomed to in church gatherings, the one with an opening and maybe some structured points and some polished ideas and a conclusion, it wasn't Christian in nature. It was actually adopted from ancient Greek culture. Now, in the way that you might gather with friends and family and you go to a bar to watch your favorite band or in the way that you buy tickets to go to a theater, perhaps to watch a play or a movie for entertainment, well, the Greeks in ancient times, before there was technology like we have for entertainment, they gathered in public settings to listen to professional persuaders present their monologues. And the Greek culture in the ancient world was so pervasive that Jesus's followers, they eventually adopted the persuasive monologue as a way to help people know Jesus better. And thus was birthed the sermon that we're all accustomed to in our modern day church gatherings. This is what Barna wrote. He said, the sermon was conceived in the womb of Greek rhetoric. 
It was born in the Christian community when they, the ancient Greeks, brought their oratorical styles into the church. And this didn't happen until the fourth century when it became the norm. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying sermons aren't important. Sermons have served a particular significance and they are still significant. And I'm sure like my life's been impacted by some. I'm sure your life has impacted by listening to some. And none of us would say that the work I've done over the last 10 years and the work that Pastor Doug has done over the last 30 years has been in vain, right? Of course not. None of us would say that because that's not true. And that's not my point. So don't miss my point. My point is, if the lengthy lecture, the polished sermon, it didn't take root until 400 years after Jesus and his first disciples kicked off his kingdom movement, his parade, well, then you don't need to feel overwhelmed that going and making disciples requires you to be articulate and requires you to be polished or requires you to be prepared. And so if what came to mind when I read that scripture was Jesus on a stage giving a monologue, I want you to take that thought I want you to throw it out. And here's what we're going to replace it with. All right, so from now on, when you think go and make disciples, I want you to think of like a gathering outdoors in someone's backyard, perhaps with chairs arranged in a circle, kind of like the worship and the word tribe. Or I want you to think of making friends over food and drinks through conversation in a small cafe like the beautifully rooted tribe. Or even think of connecting with others over a digital meeting platform like the Fearless Warriors tribe. Or perhaps when you hear go and make disciples, don't think monologue, but think dialogue with a family around a table. And here's why I want you to think of making disciples in these ways from now on. So archaeologists have discovered that Jesus' preaching and his teaching in synagogues, that experience, it would have been more conversational in nature. Similar to like in Britain, their house of commons, how that is designed. Synagogues were built with benches along all four walls to facilitate a communal discussion and a debate, an ongoing dialogue. George Barna, the guy I referenced a few moments ago in his research, he even concluded this. He said, the original preaching and teaching, the original proclamation of the Christian message, it was a two-way conversation. And so the primary means that Jesus used to make disciples is something you all are already skilled in. It's something that you all already do very regularly. It was just facilitating a conversation. Jesus asked questions and he invited people's responses and he invited other people's insights in the conversation. And Jesus was so notorious for engaging people over food and drinks through meaningful conversations that similar to how tabloids in our world today, they'll criticize celebrities. Well, the religious leaders in Jesus's day, they criticized him and how Jesus acknowledged their criticism. It gives us a clue to his primary mechanism for going and making disciples. Jesus said this concerning himself. He said, the son of man, he came to earth doing what? eating and drinking. And they, the critics, they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus sounded like a millennial, right? And if you are a foodie, I don't see why you wouldn't want to follow Jesus. You know, my point is, don't be overwhelmed 
by the idea of Jesus' charge to you and to me to go and make disciples. When you think make disciples, don't be overwhelmed thinking seminary or sermons. Don't feel stressed or inadequate thinking classroom environment or curriculum I have to prepare. Instead, I want you to get excited because Jesus was essentially saying to us, he was saying, go, enjoy food, go, enjoy drinks and make people your friends through meaningful conversations about me and my kingdom. Oh, and guess what? When you do that, I will honor you. I will reward you with an exuberant inheritance in eternity. That's a heck of a deal, am I right? Well, get this. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing by telling us to go make disciples. You see, what cognitive neuroscientists are starting to better understand is that the best way for us to learn anything is by teaching the very thing we want to learn. Teaching others somehow, it alters our brains such that it improves our performance of that very subject matter by up to 30%. And so the way for you and for me to become better disciples that more naturally die and deny our self-interest, it's by teaching other people to deny and die to self-interest. And so, of course, Jesus commanded us to not wait on any process or program, but to just go and make disciples. He knows exactly what we need to learn. I mean, after all, he created us, right? But not just that. The benefits of you and me going and making disciples, it gets even better. So Dr. Matthew Lieberman, he is a social cognitive neuroscientist at the University of California in Los Angeles. And in his almost 30 years of research on our brains, it shows that like a parade of elephants, how they are built to be in interdependent community, how they are built to be empathetic and cooperative and considerate, so too are you and I built similarly. Your brain and my brain, neurobiologically speaking, it is wired to desire denying and dying to ourselves. You might not feel it, but we have a need to prioritize others. And our engaging people in this manner, it is so critical. And I know you're not gonna believe this, but I promise you it's true. Dr. Lieberman's research is clear that when we prioritize others, when we serve others for just one hour a week, it had the same impact on well-being as getting a 275% increase in your salary. And being connected to just one friend, it has the impact of making an extra $100,000 a year on your well-being and on your sense of wealth. And simply seeing a neighbor regularly, like, howdy neighbor, you know, waving from across the way, it regularly has this impact on your well-being as you making an extra $60,000 a year. This goes back to where we started, right? And when you and I don't live in this self-denying, others-prioritizing way that we have been built to live accordingly, like an elephant that's been cut off from its parade, we will be more susceptible to poor well-being. We will be more vulnerable to a downward depression and we will feel miserable. And so perhaps if you're feeling a sense of misery right now, it's not that you need to make more money, you just need to go make more disciples. And so think back to our opening question. What must we focus our attention on 
in this uncertain season that will increase our sense of wealth and improve our overall wellness? We have to do what the one with all power and authority in heaven and on earth has commanded us to do for our own well-being. We have to do what the research says we must do. You and I have to go and make disciples. And so, for the sake of your well-being and your eternal inheritance, here's what I am pleading with you guys to do. Home stretch right here. I am challenging you to participate in the parade and to, like Jesus, commit to going and making disciples prioritize regularly engaging just one person. One person in meaningful conversations about the king and his kingdom. And just, this is a starting place. Just start with a scheduled conversation about Jesus with your spouse, your significant other, your child or children, your friend, a coworker, a neighbor, just once a week. And include food, include drinks. Yes, wine is even cool. Jesus, drink wine and have fun doing it. It doesn't have to be elaborate or fancy or overly prepared. And your city tribe team, we are going to help you with this, here's how. So every Sunday afternoon, after the last gathering of the day, I want you to check City Tribe's Facebook and Instagram accounts. We're gonna post questions based on that Sunday's teachings to help jumpstart your conversations, to springboard your conversations. And so after that one person that you agreed to make disciples with, or everyone in your tribe, after they have listened to or watched that week's teachings, just at whatever time you agreed to, gather digitally or Gather in person over food and drinks and just have a conversation around those three simple questions. And when you do, snap a picture and tag City Tribe Church. We want to celebrate you. Now, here's how else your tribe is going to serve you in the short term as we equip you to go and make disciples. So in an effort to recreate Jesus's teaching and preaching synagogue experience that was conversational, we're launching what we're calling Fireside Gatherings. Fireside gatherings are these casual conversations about Christ and culture that we hope at some point everybody will participate in at some point, right? And you can engage at whatever level you want. If you don't want to say anything, that's totally cool too. But you're going to learn your next steps as to how you can get involved in the kingdom movement. You'll learn why you can trust that Jesus, in fact, was raised from the dead and how to respond when people have questions about that. And you're going to be trained in having a greater, more intimate prayer life. And if, you know, you're still not yet confident about making disciples, I totally get that. But make sure you join a tribe. Go to citytribe.church slash tribes and get connected. Now, here's one other thing. Here's what else we're going to do in this short-term vision as to how we're going to serve you and go and make disciples with you to grow Jesus' parade. So whether you're a single parent struggling to raise your kiddos or you're a new manager in over your head leading your team, if you're unemployed right now, currently looking for something to keep you sharp in the meantime, my team is going to offer regular interactive experiential trainings similar to what you would experience if you were in a chaplaincy or a pastoral care program. Right, so you're going to learn the art of gathering, how to maximize your time in leading your family, leading your tribe. You're going to learn crisis intervention and helping folks navigate suicidal ideation. You're going to learn active listening and the ministry of presence that was announced in the announcements not too long ago. And you're going to learn all sorts of other topics to help you better make disciples and shepherd your tribe. 
Everyone is welcome to participate here. So visit citytribe.church slash events for more information. And any Sunday that you're here in the cameo, right outside the main exit here, go ahead and network with the folks at the Tribe Connect booth for more information. Now, those are just a few of the ways here in the short term that we want to serve you and equip you to go make disciples. And here's what I believe that your participation will produce. Because like Jesus, you decided to regularly engage in meaningful conversations about his kingdom. I see that a year from now, you will feel that you earned an extra $100,000. I see that your well-being will significantly have been improved as you began to produce peace and discover your purpose. Because you decided to make disciples with your family. I see that a year from now, your marriage will have grown more intimate and grown stronger and closer together. I see that your children and your grandchildren will be more trusting in you and more willing to open up to you about other matters in their lives. I see them enjoying being at home with you and their confidence having grown significantly because they know Jesus more intimately. Their wisdom has increased. And because you decided to make disciples with a coworker, or a student, I see a year from now that you will have changed the trajectory of that individual's life. You will have thwarted them from a downward spiral of depression and away from dumb decisions. And I see them thrilled to now be a part of the tribe and Jesus's parade. Because you decided to make disciples, perhaps you catalyzed a tribe. I see a year from now, folks are so energized by the community that you've cultivated and the conversations that you facilitated, that the word spreads about how awesome your tribe is doing and it grows and it grows and you run out of room in your house. And so perhaps like Pastor Humby who left City Tribe to start a Kuo church, you have to consider launching your own faith community in a neighborhood that you want to serve. Who knows what the one with all power and authority will do in you and through you over the next year. And so Let's imitate Jesus. Let's engage people regularly. The way that we were built to engage people in meaningful conversations over food and over drinks, about his kingdom, about denying and dying to self-interest. Let's go, therefore, and make disciples. Would y'all join me in praying? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to put on display how we might live our most fulfilling life on this earth to increase our sense of wealth and improve our overall wellness and also to make a way for us to experience eternity with you and receive eternal rewards. And my ask, Lord, my prayer is that your spirit will have done the work today of planting a seed in folks who listened and who watched this teaching today and that they would know that you are with them always, even to the end of age at work with them, that they are qualified. They are adequate. All they have to do is just go and make disciples. And so help us. We pray all of this in Jesus's name and everyone who agreed said, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, next week, our lead pastor, Doug Robbins, will be back to continue the Join the Parade series. And so, as he has asked of us, I ask that you 
participate. So make sure you're back here in the Cameo Theater or you're back logged on watching next Sunday. And in addition to that, be reminded, he said to promote the parade. And so share this message, whether in your own words with somebody or share the link for somebody to listen to or watch the message that they might be encouraged, hopefully. And then lastly, be sure to provide for the parade. As you go, before you close out your web browser, visit citytribe.church slash tithe. You are investing in everything that I talked about today, investing in making disciples. Those of you here in the Cameo, you can always go to one of the giving stations. You can mail in your offering, or as always, you can go and give via text. Nevertheless, we appreciate your generosity. We cannot make disciples in the manner that we do without your generosity. So thank you in advance. And with that, I'm going to speak a benediction over you guys. And those of you who are here in the cameo, you know the drill. Our team here is going to give you directions as to how to exit safely. And so as you go, brothers and sisters, may you remember that Jesus is always with you. And may you go and make disciples, increasing your wellness and increasing your sense of wealth. I love you all. God bless you. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.